Let's just briefly look at, oh, we're not, not, it won't be brief. Let's look at sinful anger. Um, So you have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. So, which commandment, you shall not murder? Why is it not, you shall not kill? It's because it isn't. Let me be clear about that, okay? I don't know how many of you have had an in-law say, how can you eat meat when the Bible says thou shalt not kill? But the Bible never says thou shalt not kill. It did in the King James Version, but there are good reasons why we should not use a 400-year-old dialect of English to teach doctrine today. Um, uh, uh, And the, the Hebrew word we would translate kill, the generic Hebrew word, is katal. I did not spell it in Hebrew for you, but there it is, katal. The Hebrew word used for murder in the fifth commandment is ratzach. They are obviously not the same word, right? So, um, and there you have verse 13. This is actually uh, um, Exodus uh, 20, verse 13. Lo tirzach. You shall not kill, or I'm sorry, murder. And now I did it. Um, So the generic word again is katal, but murder, the one we have in the commandment, is uh, ratzach. I also want to show you something else, which is very strange. Do you see the little marks? They're really like dashes uh, below the line, not the dots, but the dashes below the letters in the Hebrew part? You see those little dashes and things? Um, There should only be one of those per word. But there are, look at that, two per word. That almost never happens in Hebrew. Um, Those are accent marks. One word should have one accent. That's the basic rule. But throughout the Ten Commandments, both in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 the commandments are double accented and I think it's because there were two traditions which way should we say that which tune should we use you know we have a new hymnal and a new liturgy yeah they were fighting over which liturgy which, which tune do we use you know you know is it the Lord bless and keep you you know or is it the Lord bless you. And then that was what they were fighting about. That's what these accent marks were doing. So you have two different uh, symbols here, which um, I've picked apart. Not every pastor is a fan of Hebrew accent marks, but I've done research here. And so anyway, so lo tirzach is the, the accents are Merka and Tifa. But the second one, the one below, is, is Tifa plus Siluk. Um, and makes more sense to me, but there were two different ways of doing this um, in Hebrew. This means almost nothing to you, so I'm just going to move on. Unless somebody has a, a question about Merka, Tifa, Saluk, and uh, Sof Pasuk, and other things. Nobody? Let's go on. I would love to teach a class on Hebrew accents someday, but not even Hebrew students are interested. I was told, by the way, a couple years ago that no Hebrew students or scholars in Europe or Asia or Africa 
pay any attention at all to the accent marks any longer. And the guy I was speaking to was stunned that I knew their names. And he said, you're the first person I've ever met who knew anything about this. Now, I, I know of other people in America, in North America and South America, who know something about it, but evidently, only two continents left care anything for the accent marks. So we shall see. Let's get on with what uh, Jesus says here. But I tell you that everyone who is angry with his brother without a cause will be subject to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, should we do this in English? You dummy. <laughs> Reka, numskull. What would it be in a stuknagel? Right? Right? Uh, we'll have to answer to the Sanhedrin. Can you imagine calling your brother a, 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 a dummy and having to go talk to the church leaders? I'm really sorry I called my brother, <laughs> called my dumb brother a dummy. I'm sorry. Um, that's what the Pharisees would do. But whoever says you fool will be in danger of hellfire. Um, of course, fool is a word in the Proverbs that's interchangeable with what? Unbeliever. In the Proverbs, wise is believer, fool is unbeliever. Um, take that look at the Proverbs sometime and, and, and you will see that. Um, but Rekha was just an insulting name in Aramaic, but it meant something like Stupnagel. Um, and uh, so uh, Jesus is cautioning us against hatred of any kind. If you are about to offer your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Can you imagine going to the altar with a lamb and you've got the knife in your hand and, you know what, I called my brother a dummy. So what do you do? You hand the lead to the priest who's about to help you slaughter the thing and go talk to your brother. Um, yeah. If someone accuses you, reach an agreement with him quickly while you're on, with him on the way. On the way to where? I think this could be on the way to court. You know, maybe before you get to court, you want to settle things. Settle outside court, if possible. Otherwise, your accuser may bring you to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison. So, when your chances are not good, when it, in, in a world where fines are not given, but prison time is given, maybe you want to settle I had to wrestle with this verse today for a different reason. Amen, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. It's typical of certain cultures. You get thrown in prison and your fine is so much, but if you're in jail, you're not making money. So how do you pay the fine? Well, if you have a really good wife, maybe she'll come and bring the cash. But she might. Another problem is, what if you have a really, a really crooked uh, jailer? So your wife brings you half and you pay half, but then he, she comes again the next week with the next half and he says, where's your proof that you ever paid the first half? So, you know, you've learned a lesson there. 
lawyers were as crooked as everybody else. Crooked as a dog's hind leg. Yeah. By the way, uh, 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 this passage, I, I want to point out, sometimes um, this for, I want to talk just briefly about the doctrine of purgatory in the Roman Catholic and the Eastern Orthodox Church. Um, sometimes lay people who teach, I'll say, Sunday school in the Catholic Church will use this as a proof passage about purgatory. No Catholic theologian uses this as a purgatory proof passage. I know that sometimes we're, 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 we're cautioned about that, but uh, 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 not Bellarmine, not um, uh, 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 none of the recent popes, um, not the last two or three catechisms. It wasn't in the Baltimore Catechism. Um, this verse is not a purgatory passage. Clear? Okay. I don't know if you ever taught that, but I wanted to point it out that some, I think sometimes we misrepresent um, folks and it doesn't do any good to, to set up a, a defense of a passage when it's not even going to get used. Um, so, Purgatory is an issue we could talk about another time. I didn't want to bring it up today, but I just wanted to point that out about that particular verse. I did want to review what are the three or perhaps four reasons that would be permitted by God for taking a human life? They're not commanded, but they are permitted. Number one, punishment for a capital crime. Capital crime. What are the two capital crimes? Murder, treason. Treason. Number two, speaking of war, a just war. Usually a just war would be described as a defensive war or due to a treaty or a promise. What are, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't even go down this road. Are, are there at least two just wars in American history? I would disagree with that. Um, I think World War I and World War II would be just wars if we were attacked. But to, to, to revolt against your, against your sovereign because you're not getting proper representation or you don't like your taxes, that's, that, that's, a, that's a theological debate that I don't think anybody's going to win. Um, that's a tough one. That's why I asked if there are at least two wars in American history that are just, you know. Oh, I thought you meant only two wars. I, well, I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering at least, yeah. There are, there are other instances where there were wars that happened that, were, that would, would, be, would be defendable on one side or the other. Um, yeah. Number three, for most people, this would be the last one. I heard it. Self-defense, yeah, for a private citizen. There's also a public form of self-defense we don't usually talk about, but it isn't on the list otherwise. What would be professional self-defense? Or defense of the public? Yeah, 
something like the National Guard or police and so forth? Can the Coast Guard, for example, if um, there is a threat to, uh, a, a lethal threat to the, to, the, to, the, to the nation, can they use lethal force out there on the, on the coastal waters? You know, we're not at war, but can they? Yeah, they can do that. You know. I do appreciate, though, um, uh, although there's a lot of hubbub these days. Can I, did I, just, did I just say that? Yeah. Um, about uh, a police uh, using lethal force. I, I think we're also blessed to live in a time when uh, the, the, the taser has been invented. Um, uh, every policeman who fires a taser has been tased. Okay? That's part of the training. You can't use one unless you've felt it yourself. And to be tased is to be instantly immobilized. Um, and there are basically two kinds of, you, know, you all know what I mean by a taser? Of this electrical thing that basically gives you a shock and immobilizes you. There are two kinds. Um, the, the, the basic kind is one that you have to actually physically touch your hand basically to the person. You know, it's like this, roughly the size of a cell phone. You, you know, like put it on their neck or their chest or whatever. And um, the other kind, though, actually shoots, um, but it's connected by wires to the unit. Um, it's kind of an awkward looking thing. It looks like somebody's high school project or something like that, um, but also equally as effective. Um, and uh, I don't know if we'll see that used more and more or how legislation will go, but um, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh yeah, rather be tased than 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 maced. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I I I knew a guy who. Uh, I don't know what what for, I I think he might have been in the military, but a buddy of his switched his um. Um. His a mouth spray, his breath freshener, with a little thing of mace. It was a pretty hilarious moment in his life. Yeah. <laughs> like hairspray? Yeah. Okay. Actually, that might have been it. Might have been pepper spray and not mace, but still, still, not great. Um, we talk about those things um, when we talk about the sixth commandment. Um, in catechism class, um, I take uh, uh, a couple of minutes, usually instead of being about a quarter of a class period, to talk to the girls and, and, and the boys too about self-defense during rape. Um, because you figure in a room this size, there will be, what, one or two women in this room who either have been sexually assaulted or might be in the future, um, especially when it's the classroom of young girls, you know, and, uh, uh, but I, I always tell their parents what I'm going to say and so forth. They're that we're going to talk about it. I tell their parents, I'm going to teach them that ears come off like the back cover of a spiral notebook. That's about the resistance you get if you tear a man's ear. Um, uh, uh, that, uh, I know that the police, I saw this on, on Adam 12. Uh, police used to teach, what's the kind of comb with the giant dagger sticking out the end? Is it called a pick or something like that? 
a rat tail that uh, that thing inserts into the eye socket really nicely. Um, that other thing that, 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 but not every girl has one of those. <clears throat> not every girl has the wherewithal to get her hands up to tear at a guy. Um, as uh, my, my children were taught in karate class, kick him in the crunch. Um, good way to say it to a bunch of seven-year-olds or whatever, but a very effective thing, especially if you, if you really step hard on his foot, on his instep, and then kick him in the crunch, as they said. Um, really effective uh, thing. But I, often girls don't have you know, the rat tail or, or can't step, but so they, 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 they used to say, take out your keys as you're walking to your car and get your most vicious looking key and just have that on your finger as you're walking. What's the problem now though? More, more of our keys look like this and less like this, but an apartment key usually, not always though, but so we're getting, and maybe, maybe if you have a daughter or granddaughter, give her a useless key that could still be on her key ring, you know, just anything, just something. And, and, and maybe have a new copy made so those edges are really nasty and sharp. Yeah, pay the two bucks to have them do it. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, I scream, you scream. Um, the main point Jesus is making about anger, though, is to forgive, settle our differences. Just a quote here, a festering wound will not improve, right? If your car begins to rust, will it get better in time? No. Will your own personal rage and anger improve if you do nothing with it? Not really. Do something, you know, confess it, talk about it, let it out. Maybe not to the individual, you know, Tell, tell, tell a friend instead and maybe don't use all the names or all the details, but at least let it out somehow. Um, okay, we'll move on to lust. Verses 27 to, to 30. Jesus said, you've heard it, it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And this was directly against, spoken against the Pharisees. Um, you have your own rules about adultery and about divorce, but you've got it all wrong, Jesus is saying. Even just lust in the heart. What's the, what's the commandment that's closest to, to, to this comment about lust? Probably the 10th. I mean, yeah, this is under the 6th, but the 10th. Do not covet, you know, what is not yours, essentially. Um, so don't let that grow in your heart. And then Jesus says, if your right eye causes you to fall into sin, pluck it out and throw it away from you. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Do you see a lot of one-eyed people walking around? Um, then Jesus followed up with, if your right hand causes you to fall into sin, cut it off. And throw it away from you. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Of course, the issue is what really should get gouged out or cut off? Whatever really is causing the sin. It's not your eye. It's not your hand. You know. But is anybody going to gouge out their cable box or their internet? 
I wonder if there are some people who would rather lose their left hand than lose their wireless. Um, you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't that be infinitely harder uh, to do something like that? But I'm going to read to you what I have printed for you toward the bottom of the page. Is it a place? Avoid it. Is it a television show? Don't tune it in. Is it a person? Reconsider your friendship. Or better still, share God's word so that the Holy Spirit can change her or his heart. Joseph ran away from Potiphar's wife. Although we don't really know, do we, how tempting Potiphar's wife was. People who make aggressive sexual advances often don't realize how unattractive they're being. You know, um, I, had a, I had a Sunday school teacher who once used Elizabeth Taylor as his illustration. You know, you, you don't want Elizabeth Taylor making advances at you. And my, my friends and I thought, I wouldn't be tempted by Elizabeth Taylor. But uh, okay, I, I uh, and yet Joseph removed himself from her, not only for his sake, but maybe also for hers. So she would not be tempted to sin. Joseph just runs away. Um, and then at the bottom uh, of the page here, how significant is Paul's warning? It's better to marry than to burn with passion. You know, that is to say, if you have kind of generic lust, if you can't live the life of a single person, don't just marry anybody. You know, that's a problem too. Um, but, but also, if you are in a relationship and the two of you can't avoid sexual desire, then it, far better to marry um, than to continue this way. I'm really proud of some of our young people and their attitude about... Uh, 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 the, 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 there's a tide of a positive attitude growing among some of our young people, about sex and marriage. That's begun to really impress me in the last, maybe, maybe kind of just since COVID stopped. I mean, since we've been back to school is what I mean by that. Um, I, uh, we'll see, you know, how long that'll last and so forth, but I've been, I've been pretty impressed. Let's go to divorce. This one uh, is one that people often have to discuss a little more. Jesus said... It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. Have you found that passage in the Old Testament? It's there. Um, it's in Deuteronomy 24. Uh, it's verse 1. Deuteronomy 24, verse 1, uh, a certificate of divorce. It's actually not written in the form of a command, though. It's more of a, uh, in the form of a, of a preliminary clause to something else. It's about... It's a, really about remarriage after divorce. But if, if a husband has written a certificate of divorce, and the Jews evidently took that as you have to write a certificate of divorce. And in our culture, you have to have a legalized divorce, don't you? Um, if you're going to get married, what do you need to prove? That you're not married, right? So you have to bring two certificates with you. Either, you have to either say, I'm single, or you have to have a death certificate or a divorce certificate. Yeah. I was amazed. I, some of you already know this, but I was amazed at how many death certificates I had to show to people. It's just, how many of these do I have to have printed, you know, after a while? And it was, 
I actually got 12. I think I have three left. Uh, and I actually, I actually keep one in my office just so that I've, you know, where does this, I don't know, you know, why don't I, and, and in one case, I forget, is it the DMV? Someone, I think they misplaced it and I have to take another one back. No. So, yeah, but they, they act like they never got it. I took it there in person and they act like, wait, we never got this. So that's, I don't think that's my mistake, but all right, well, enough of that. But Jesus said, I tell you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality causes her to be regarded as an adulteress. And whoever marries the divorced woman is regarded as an adulterer. Um, now, there are some things to, 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 to talk about here, but Jesus is actually combating the Pharisees' idea of divorce. And among the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, there was a debate that was going on at this very moment when Jesus is preaching between two schools of Pharisees, the school of Shammai and the school of Gamaliel. And you may have heard of Gamaliel. He was Paul's teacher. Um, and one of them, I believe it was Gamaliel, had claimed that you could divorce your wife if she tried to kill you. And his example was, if she burns my supper. That that was grounds for divorce. She's trying to kill me. That was Gamaliel. And Shammai, and it's fascinating because normally, if you're reading the, 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 the Talmud or the Mishnah, forgive me, I'm just going through puberty. Um, if you read that, uh, you will more often side with Gamaliel in debates until you get to divorce. And then suddenly you think, okay, I see Shammai's point in some of these things now. Um, but uh, remarkable. Um, now, so someone who divorces his wife just for no reason causes her to be regarded as an adulteress because most people are not Pharisees. Most of the Jews were what we called earlier, what did we say? Mainstream Judaism. You know, what were Mary and Joseph? What were Zechariah and Elizabeth? You know, what were the apostles and their wives before Jesus called them? Mainst most mainstream Jews would regard a woman divorced for like having burned the dinner. That's, that's not a valid divorce. And so most of them would say that if, if she gets remarried now, she's an adulteress because that wasn't a valid divorce. Does that make sense? Okay. And then whoever marries her would be an adulterer. Because that wasn't a proper divorce. That wasn't for, you know. Now, the Bible later makes a couple of other exceptions besides sexual immorality, but makes very definite cases for this. And I just want to point these out. Um, besides sexual immorality, which would be adultery, basically having sex outside of the marriage, would be desertion. So when Paul says, if one of them's an unbeliever, it leaves, let the unbeliever go. You know, so when one, one has deserted. And then finally, abuse, which is a violation of the fifth commandment. If some of you also know her, um, let's maybe keep her identity between us. But I'm going to tell you a story about a woman I know who many, many years ago was attacked by her husband. 
he drove her out into the countryside and pulled a gun in the car. And she barely escaped with her life. But she actually got away. I think she slammed the door in his hand and ran away. And they were, they were having this run around the car and so forth. And she kicked the gun somewhere else and scrambled away and got away. And he got caught, thrown in jail. And, uh, and then she divorced him for perfectly scriptural reasons. Um, and one or two pastors I know um, sided with her and then the guy started threatening their lives. Um, did she have grounds for that divorce? Certainly. Certainly. He, he was trying to murder her. Um, he had gone off his rocker, if I can use a technical term. And, uh, and, and yeah. Um, so sexual immorality, desertion, abuse. Um, Sometimes a desertion can happen without somebody even leaving the house. And that's a great tragedy, but it can happen. And abuse can be, it doesn't have to be physical. Abuse can be emotional, it can be mental, and so forth. What was the movie back in the 30s? Um, Gaslight? Where he's trying to convince her that she's nuts and he's just monkeying with the gas and so forth in the, in the days before electricity. Um, but I have one other question that might be uncomfortable for some, but it, it is uncomfortable for many. What are the challenges when we use a nursing home? It, it effectively separates the couple. And with some couples, they understand. And let, let's just say it's the husband who goes into the nursing home and the wife will say, I'll go and be with him every day. But... Um, there are some times where a couple doesn't have that opinion and they get angry and they say to their, maybe their family's trying to do this and they say, you're, you're effectively divorcing us and you can't do that. And, and there can be some, some terrible emotions and those should be considered. Um, I'm not going to come down and say one is right and one is wrong, but we should recognize that with regard to our nursing homes. And something else that happens in nursing homes that you don't like to talk about is sex happens in nursing homes. Um, and if a, a spouse is losing his or her memory, what can happen in a nursing home? You know, you can have unintentional adultery going on there because somebody is losing their memory and beginning to be coaxed by somebody and things can happen. And so what cautions, you know, should we take? Um, if there really is a concern... Is it your legal right to put a nanny cam in, into the room? Do you know what that is? It's a babysitting camera. Often it's in the form of a teddy bear or something. Set it up on a shelf and, 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 uh, and, and, and it, it also is, is because some nursing homes in some states, in some counties, there can be a problem sometimes with abuse, um, just physical abuse by employees. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, um, I've never heard of anything like that happening at, say, Oak Hills or something like that, or St. John Sleepy Eye or, you know, at something like that. Um, or what's the, the other one in Sleepy Eye that's so wonderful? What's it called? Um, Divine Providence, yeah, where Mr. Glendy went um, uh, toward the end, our, our member and, and, and so forth. But it, it's something that should be talked about and it's, it's a concern, especially if the couple is still married. You know. 
Yeah. That brings us to the end of 32, and that is the noon bell. Um, so I think we'll, we'll stop there. Um, but we'll pick it up. We'll end the chapter and start chapter 6. And of course, chapter 6 will bring us to the Lord's Prayer. So we have that to look forward to. And I don't want to hurry through the Lord's Prayer. We have seven marvelous petitions in the Lord's Prayer to look at. And I really think, if you don't mind, we should let them happen and talk about them. So um, un until next Tuesday, God bless you. Um, and thank you once again for letting me do this. Take care. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.